Amen. Amen. It's hard to believe that spring is almost over and summer is upon us. And how I know that is because the weather is warming up. And uh, as we prepare, uh, we're preparing to transition seasons. We're going from spring. Uh, it didn't really feel like we had much of a spring, to be honest with you. But we're going from spring and on into summer. And I want to share a couple of things with you tonight that has helped me quite a bit over the years. And I believe it might help somebody here in this place. How many know that there are seasons in life? Yeah, there are seasons in life. The wisest man to ever live, King Solomon, said it well. And this is my text tonight in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number three. If you have a Bible, you can, you can find that. And if you want to stand for the reading, you're welcome to do that. We're going to read just two verses of scripture in Ecclesiastes, chapter three, where Solomon said these words. Solomon said, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. And he goes on to list about 12 other contrasts that represent seasons in our life, right? A time to rend and a time to sow, a time to, right, a time to live and a time to, to die. And we're going to talk tonight about seasons. You can be seated. The word season comes from a Hebrew word that means an appointed to period of time. An appointed to period of time. In other words, a season will come and it will go, but it definitely has a beginning and it definitely has an ending. It's appointed. It has a purpose. It didn't just happen by accident. That season came along because that's what seasons do. They cycle through, right? They happen. Seasons are important. They're important because everything revolves around them. Any farmer who is worth his salt knows that there is an appointed period for tilling and for planting. And there is an appointed period for watering and for weeding. There is a season of waiting if you're a farmer. And finally, should the, Lord, uh, should the Lord have mercy, there is a season, an appointed period for harvest. Each of the farmer's seasons are different None of them are exactly like the other, and yet each one is, import, is very important to the next. Winter and summer are not the same, and they must be dealt with very individually. They have different characteristics about them, and yet one depends upon the other in the cycle of life. One season by itself doesn't make a whole lot of sense without the others that come along with it. It's been my experience that as human beings that our outlooks and our priorities tend to change with seasons of life. A life that is hopeful and, and budding with promise in one season can become dry and barren in the next season. And yet both seasons are an important part of the process. We understand that 
life is not just made up of good things. Life is not all zippity doo dah days, right? It's not. No, there does come a point where we face the harsh reality that life can be hard. It can be difficult. There is a dark side to it. As high as life can take you one day, it can make you feel just as low the next. Seasons. And just like we go through seasons in life, we also go through seasons spiritually. Because there are times when things are going really well spiritually. God is blessing, God is moving, revival is happening, and we love those times, and we don't ever want those times to go away or, or to end. And yet, there are other times when spiritually things are not going very well. It's true. And our spiritual lives become dry. And that's the season that I want to take a little time tonight and talk to us about. I want to address seven questions for a dry season. Now, if you're taking notes tonight, you need to get out your pens and your pencils or your coloring books and crayons, whatever you, whatever you brought, <laughs> okay, uh, your, your, your chalk, whatever you got. You're going to want to take some notes, right? Seven questions for a dry season. These are seven questions that we ought to be asking ourselves when we find ourselves in a spiritually dry season of life. Are you ready? Very first question that we need to ask ourselves when we find ourselves in a dry season is this Do I have an unrealistic expectation? Do I have an unrealistic expectation. There are very few things that can derail happiness, productivity, and fulfillment like an unrealistic expectation. If you had it in your mind that something was supposed to be a certain way and it turns out not to be true, then you might have had an unrealistic expectation. You ever had somebody tell you about something? I'll use a restaurant, for example, because I I like restaurants. I know you couldn't tell, but I do. And, and, and so I'll use that. And, and somebody comes along and they tell you about this really good restaurant that, and they just build it up, man. They tell you it's the greatest thing. It's so awesome. It, it's so great. And they tell you how awesome it was. And they set an expectation in your mind and you were excited about it and you went and you tried it. And when you did, well, it wasn't exactly everything that they had, they had promised that it would be, right? Maybe, it, maybe you were let down. Maybe you were disappointed. It, it, it didn't live up to my expectation. The bar was set really high, and it, it didn't quite live up to what I thought it was going to live up to. And perhaps we had an, an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation. The Jewish people in Scripture had a certain expectation about the coming of the Messiah. They, they just knew that when God came to the earth, it was going to be a certain way. They, they had an expectation of how it was going to happen and what it was going to look like, even though their, own, their very own scriptures told them what to expect. 
Their very own Torah told them how it was going to play out. The prophet Isaiah prophesied that it was going to happen a certain way, and yet they had it in their mind that it was going to happen the way they thought it was going to happen. And so when God did robe himself in flesh and come as a baby, born in a manger in the city of David, Bethlehem, and grew up as a carpenter in Nazareth and proclaimed to be the Son of God, the Messiah, they rejected Jesus because he didn't meet their expectations. Oh, Jesus was God. He was the Messiah. He, he was the one that they had been waiting for. But an unrealistic expectation caused a stumbling block that they could not overcome, and they have still not overcome it today. I will tell you the same thing can happen to us in the spiritual sense. Maybe you heard that, that when so-and-so got filled with the Holy Ghost, maybe you heard that they, they fell on the floor and they tingled all over and you know, it felt like they were levitating. And so you, you came down and the Lord baptized you with the Holy Ghost, but, but you didn't tingle and you didn't fall out. So you thought, well, maybe, that, that, maybe that's not right. Maybe, maybe I didn't get it. I, I, maybe it didn't happen for me. No, maybe you just had an unrealistic expectation. And then you go home and you read the book of Acts and you find out that on the day of Pentecost they were filled with the Holy Ghost where they were sitting. Oh, okay. The Bible didn't record that they jumped or shouted or did the funky chicken or anything else, right? They just, they, they were sitting and they were, they were filled. Well, I thought that when I prayed, Brother Sizemore, I was supposed to feel a certain thing. I, I thought that when I, I prayed I, and then I, when I went home and prayed, I didn't feel anything. Am I wrong? I mean, Brother Wonderful told me that, that if I paid my tithes that I'd get a new car and a new house. And, and I've been paying my tithes and, and I, I'm still living in the same old place and driving the same old thing. What's wrong? My friend, I want you to hear me tonight. Don't develop an unrealistic expectation about the things of God. Because when you do, nothing will ever meet your need. Nothing will ever satisfy you. Nothing will ever be good enough for you. I heard a preacher say when he got married, he woke up the next day and he looked at his wife and he said, I don't feel married. And the wife looked at him and said, then you better adjust your feelings to the facts, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Unrealistic expectations. I thought it would feel different. I thought, listen, be very careful tonight that you don't let your feelings get in the driver's seat of your life. Yeah, Pastor Urshan talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Don't, don't let your feelings drive the bus because when it does, it'll take you down roads that you never intended to go down. Yeah, if you're in a dry place, you need to ask yourself, do I have an unrealistic expectation? Question number two. Question number two that you ought to ask yourself when you find yourself in a dry season of life, do I have any unconfessed sin in my life? Hmm. Unconfessed sin in your life will hinder you from enjoying a real relationship with Christ. Sin can easily become the concrete that hardens our hearts so that we can't experience God and the life that God has for us. David understood this principle and that's what prompted him to write 
Psalm 139, where he said in Psalm 139 and 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, God, and know my thoughts, and see, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, 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 wait a minute, David. If there was something inside of you that shouldn't be there, wouldn't you know about that? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you know that, David? I mean, wouldn't you know if there was sin in your life? And David knew that the answer to that question is a resounding no. No. Let me tell you something. We don't always know ourselves as well as we think we do. Mm. Mm. Because our flesh rises up against the things of God. And we tend to naturally live in the flesh, and so when our flesh gets a hold of us, we just think it's normal living. We, we, we don't always realize that we might be living outside of the provision of God. Our flesh will fool us. It will deceive us. We, we can't trust ourselves. That's why we put our trust in the Lord. David knew. He knew that if I leave it up to me to audit myself, Hmm, that ain't going to go very well. No. It's like the IRS asking me to audit my own taxes. Yeah? Probably, I mean, hey, good idea, good thought, probably, probably not going to work for everybody, right? But if a non-biased third party comes along and audits me, they, they can point out the things that need to be changed, right? I'm going to tell you, you need accountability in your life. I need accountability in my life. Why? Because I don't always, I don't always look at myself through the proper lens. I don't always see my situation the way it ought to be seen. Sometimes I, I fudge the numbers and I, I tweak the things in my own life to make it look better than it really is. No, I need somebody else to do the auditing in my life. You gotta hear me tonight. David knew that when I search myself, chances are I'm going to miss something because it's too painful and too disappointing to uncover my own sin. And so David said, I need somebody else. And so he said, Lord, you search me. God, you try me. God, you know my thoughts. Lord, you fix me and lead me in the way everlasting because I cannot do it by myself. You'll notice in Scripture that both Saul and David were great leaders. Both Saul and David sinned. Both of them confessed their sin. But that's really where the similarities end. Saul confessed to God hoping, he'd get his, hoping to get his position back. He wasn't repentant per se, he was just sorry that he got caught. David, on the other hand, lamented his sin because it was an offense to God. David truly had a repentant heart. I think some of us tonight need to have that same attitude. Don't leave any unconfessed sin in your life. Because if you do, your heart will become hardened and you'll be out of sync with God. You can very easily find yourself in a spiritually dry place when you have something inside of you that has not been properly dealt with. 
Is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Question number three that you ought to ask yourself when you find yourself in a spiritually dry season of life is do I have any uncontrolled behavior? Mm. Ask yourself this question. Am I engaged in practices that will dull my spiritual sensitivity? Am I doing something that doesn't benefit my walk with the Lord? I, I don't know why this is. I, I don't know why it is that we like to live on the edge all the time. I mean, what, what is it about our makeup and our society where people just want to be on the fringe of everything? Always want to push the envelope, always want to live on the edge. Why, why, why not just get in the center and serve God with your whole heart? I mean, why not? Not, not have to worry about what you can and can't get away with, and, and we've got these uncontrolled behaviors in our lives. Listen, folks, not everything that keeps you from God has to be a sin. I mean, we got things classified in our minds. I know that, that we've been taught our quote-unquote sin when they might not really be. Some things are sin, but there are some things that are just weights. Hebrews 12 and 1, the writer says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Notice he calls them weights and sins. Some are weights, some are sins. He separates the two. He delineates the two. They're not the same thing. Can you give me an example, Brother Sizemore? Well, okay, here's one. I have a friend of mine, not somebody you know, but I have a friend of mine who loves football. I mean loves football. And he, he, he loves it so much he won't allow himself to watch it. Because he knows that if he starts getting caught up in football, that it will cause him to forget about everything else, including God and including church and including his family. And so is watching football a sin? The answer is no. But my friend has identified that as a weight in his life. As a weight in his life. See, everybody has a weakness. Everybody has different behaviors. Everybody has different weights in your life. Your weights might be different from my weights, and my weights might be different from your weights, but that doesn't mean that they're all sin, right? Sins are different. Sins are those things that are spelled out in the Word of God, the things that God hates, right? And so we have to develop some discernment and we have to develop some spiritual maturity and that, that, that we have to develop behavior that will keep us from being trapped by weights and sin. We can control our behavior. Look at your neighbor and say, you can control your behavior. Hmm. Yeah. My goodness, I felt that. We must control our behavior. And if you can't seem to get through the dry season in your life, then maybe you want to examine any uncontrolled behavior.
Is there something in me that's impeding my walk with God? Uncontrolled behavior. Number four, the fourth question that you want to ask yourself when you're in a dry season of life is this. Are there any unhealthy conditions in my life? Let me, let me share a term with you that you need to get familiar with. Are you ready? Here it is, spiritual discipline. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ without having some disciplines in your life. That's where the word discipline comes from, isn't it? The root word is disciple. I mean, you think about that. We need spiritual disciplines to help govern our lives. Now, be very careful not to confuse spiritual discipline with legalism. I mean, legalism is putting some, something on somebody else and making them carry it. That, that's not what I'm talking about. Spiritual discipline says, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to do that. And I don't want anything that will, I don't want to do anything or say anything that will cause me to lose my relationship with the Lord. So you make deliberate choices in your life. And you move toward God. That, that, that's what pastor has preached about, being separated unto God. And we, we, always, we always heard it was separated from the world. It, it, there is a separation from the world, but that's not where it stops. You've got to be separated unto God. It ain't good enough just to separate from them. You've got to get closer to him. Yeah. Yeah. And if separating from them isn't moving you closer to him, you're doing it wrong. See? Yeah. We, 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 we've got we've to take care of some things that will, that will cause me to be stronger. So we make choices. We move toward God. We, we want what is real. We want what is pleasing. And then you set the conditions of your life to reflect those disciplines. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. Everybody say the first works. The first works, yeah. God says get back to the first works. Do the things that you did when you first came to me, when you first repented, when, when you started out with me. Remember those, remember those things you did? To get, get, get back to those things. Gentlemen, I, I got to ask you, do you remember when you and your wife first fell in love? Oh, yeah, you opened that car door, man. Yeah, you did. You popped a mint in your mouth every five minutes? Yeah. Now your breath will peel paint, but then, then, no, no. Back then, you, you'd, you'd miss that good parking spot because I'm dropping her off at the front door. Yeah, yeah, I'll gladly park a half a mile away, honey, because I'm going to drop you off. Now you'll slow down just enough to oh, kick her out of the car, and, and i got to get that spot. i got to get that front row. <laughs> I got, I got to get right there. No, honey, I'll, I'll, then it's no, honey, I'll, I'll happily walk around Home Goods with you for three hours. Oh, I'm happy, I'm honored to do it. That was then. Now it's, ah, oh, my suffering. My God. Maybe it's just me. Unhealthy conditions. 
When was the last time you took inventory of the conditions in and around your life? When was the last time you did some house cleaning? Yeah. Some, some spring cleaning in your house and you got rid of, of some of those relationships that were pulling you down. Mm, some of us have a Jonah in the bottom of our boat and we're going through some things that don't have anything to do with us. Mm. But our boats are being destroyed because we're allowing somebody who's running from God to hang around. Oh, I'm talking to somebody in this place. So you've got somebody living in the bottom of your boat. You've either got the problem or the answer. It's either Jonah or Jesus. Two men, two boats. One man was the problem. The other man was the solution. You need to figure out who's in the bottom of your boat. Because some of y'all are dealing with storms that don't belong to you. And they weren't meant to throw you off. But because you got the wrong people around you. I don't know. And your boat's being destroyed and you need to do yourself a favor and do them a favor and go ahead and throw somebody overboard. <laughs> that might be another sermon for another day. When was the last time you really pursued God? When was the last time you said, Lord, I, I, I want to go someplace with you that nobody else has gone? I want to serve you. I want to love you to the best of my ability, no matter what the cost might be. Tonight, make sure that the conditions of your life are right. Make sure that the condition of your mind and the condition of your heart are where they need to be. Don't let unhealthy conditions keep you from being all that you can be in God. Do I have any unhealthy conditions? I'm moving along. Question number five that you need to ask yourself when you find yourself in a dry season is this. Have I learned the lessons that God is trying to teach me? Besides mm. more, what if I don't learn the lessons? Will God leave me in the class? Will God make me repeat the grade if I don't learn what I'm supposed to learn? Well, all indications in the Word of God is that, yes, He will. Yeah, He will. I can't even get my carcass into that third grade desk anymore, and God will leave me there. Yeah. You say, oh, Brother Sizemore, I don't think God does stuff like that. Well, then don't talk to the children of Israel. Yeah. Because God took what was supposed to be about a 10 or 12 day journey for them and turned it into a 40 year ordeal all because they couldn't get the lessons down. God said, if you don't want to learn them, then I, you know, what I'm trying to teach you, you can just keep walking around in a big circle for 40 years. And Israel had their blinker on for 40 years and never got off the highway. Some of us are here tonight wondering why our lives seem to be going in circles. Maybe, just maybe, it's because you're not getting the lessons that God is trying to teach you where you are. You see, God can't advance you until you pass the class. 
Well, I'm, I'm being held back. I, the, Lord, the Lord's not blessing me. The, the pastor's holding me down. And I got people that are just trying to, trying to keep me down. And nobody wants to let me do my thing. And nobody wants to let me sing my song. And nobody wants, want, nobody's going to let me preach my sermon. Yeah, maybe that's the case. But really, maybe it might just be that you're not growing because you're not learning along the way. Don't, 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 don't. What, what is God trying to teach you? Are you taking notes in life? Are you taking note of things that are going on and God, okay, God's showing me this and he's showing me that. Listen, let me tell you something. God will put you on the backside of nowhere for 40 years to teach you some things that you need to know about your next season of life. Some of y'all complain, I don't like God put me back here. Bless God, I got a gift. I can, I can do this and do that. They won't let me sing in the choir, but I can sing in the choir. I can do, I can do all these things. And wait, wait, wait a minute. God put Moses in Midian for 40 years on the backside of a desert, tending his father-in-law's sheep. Because God said, I've got a plan for you, but I need you to take some notes, Moses. I need you to get the, get the thick notebook because I got some things I got I to gotta have you write down. I got some things you got to know, you got to learn. And God will do it. Listen, God's done it to me. God has put me in places that I didn't want to be for periods that I didn't think were going to end. But I look back on it now and I say, thank God for it because he taught me some things. I took some notes. I learned the lessons. And now I'm better for it. And I can step in to a new season in my life. Don't despise God's process in your life. And it is a process. There is no promotion without process. Yeah, getting away from my notes, but God's trying to, God's trying to get across some things to us. Don't get stuck in the wilderness of your life because you're unwilling to learn the lessons along the way. Mm. Somebody say amen. Amen. When you find yourself in a dry season, here's question number six. And this is a good one. Question number six, when you find yourself in a dry season of life, have I left any prayers unprayed? Oh. You have not. because you ask not. The Lord was nearing the end of his ministry here on earth. He had spent the last three and a half years teaching a group of men how to carry out the, the ultimate mission. Matthew chapter 26 is the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a familiar story. We know it. We've read it. We've heard it preached. In that chapter, Jesus is wrestling his final wrestling match. He takes the group of 12 to the garden, and then he takes three of them, Peter, James, and John, and he says, let's, let's go a little deeper, gentlemen. Let, let's, let's go a little deeper into the garden. They go a little deeper into the garden, and then Jesus instructs those three. He says, I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to pray, and I want you to stay over here, and I want you to pray. Jesus said, I, I need you guys to pray. Now, this was the first time he had requested that of them. 
I need you guys to pray. I'm going to go over there and pray. You guys stay over here, you three, and pray. Jesus goes over to prepare himself for the ministry of redemption. And after praying a little while, Jesus comes back and he finds his three superstar disciples sleeping. He, 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 he wakes them up. He gets on to them. He scolds them a little bit. Come on, guys. I, I need you to pray with me. Can't come pray with me, guys. I, I need you to pray. Can you not pray with me for one hour? I mean, I'm asking you to help me out here. Let's go. Let's go. Pray with me. Pray with me. This is the second time now that he's asking them to pray. Jesus returns over to his spot in the garden. He begins to pray and he begins to wrestle with submitting his human will to his divine will. And it's getting intense. And he's in a spirit of intercession and he's praying strongly and, and violently, so much so that the Bible describes that his sweat began to turn to blood. And he finishes and he, he goes over to the disciples and, and, and for a second time he finds them asleep. They're sleeping. And Jesus is heartbroken. And he goes back and he doesn't even bother to wake them up this time. He, he, he goes back over and he prays his final prayer of submission. He submits himself in prayer to the will of the Father and then he returns to find the disciples asleep again. And finally he wakes them up, he chides them for sleeping at such an important time and he lets them know that the betrayer has come and it's time for the Son of Man to be delivered and to be betrayed. Now, I want you to notice with me in that story that Jesus prayed his own will under submission in the garden, surrounded by sleeping disciples. Jesus prayed submission in while they slept. That might be part of the reason that you and I have so much trouble with submission today. We slept through it. Peter, James, and John, they never heard that prayer being prayed. They didn't hear what it was like to pray their will under, uh, into submission because they were asleep. So you know what they couldn't do? They couldn't write it down. They couldn't record it. They couldn't recall it because they never heard it. Jesus had these prayers that he was, ex that he was exampling and modeling for them. That's why he told them to pray and not sleep. I need you to pray because I need you to be in tune. I need you to, to be awake. I need you to be, I need your senses to be sharpened. And so they, 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 they but the, because they slept, they never heard him pray that prayer. So while Jesus was being crucified, the church falters. And Christ has to endure the cross alone because of prayers that didn't get prayed. Tonight, don't leave any prayers unprayed. You say, Brother Sizemore, I've, I've got it in my mind. I mean, the Lord knows what's in my mind, so if I just think it, it'll be all right. No, my friend, I want you to hear me. God intends for us to let the words come out of our mouth. Mm. Words are powerful. Don't, don't just have a prayer in your mind, have a prayer in your mouth. Yeah, God didn't just think this world into existence. God didn't just sit there and think about it and mull it over and meditate on it. No, the Bible says God spoke the world into existence. 
He spoke it. He spoke it. It came out of his mouth. You and I need to learn to speak some things into existence in our lives. And the only way that's going to happen is if you don't have any unprayed prayers. Don't leave it out. Oh, Brother Sizemore, it's just an insignificant thing. It doesn't matter. It, no, it's important. Pray about it. That nothing's too small. Nothing's too great for God. Pray about it. Don't leave it unprayed because when you leave it unprayed, you're going to miss what God has for you. And we struggle with submitting ourselves to God because it's a prayer that never got prayed. Mm. Mm. Are there any unprayed prayers? If there are, that might be why you're in a dry season life. Do we got time for one more? Number seven, the seventh question. When you find yourself in a dry season is this. Am I unthankful? Am I unthankful? There probably isn't much of anything that can exacerbate or elongate a dry season in our lives like unthankfulness. Being unthankful during a dry season of life is like trying to put out a fire with a bucket full of gasoline. It just doesn't work. One of the questions that I get asked a lot as a minister and a pastor is, is this. Besides more, how do I know whether or not I'm in the will of God? You ever heard somebody ask that? Maybe you've asked that, right? How do I know? How do I know if I'm in the will of God? Typically, what they mean when they ask this is, is how do I know what I'm supposed to be doing for God? Or how can I be fulfilled in the ministry of the kingdom? That's typically what they mean. But the truth is, is that the will of God, the quote-unquote will of God and our engagement with it, it isn't quite as complicated as we've made it out to be. It's really not. In my experience, one of the best ways to gauge our adherence to his will and his purpose is to take a look at our attitude toward thankfulness. Yeah. Do I have a healthy attitude of gratitude? In his writings to the New Testament church, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to Ephesians and wrote to Philippians and wrote to the Thessalonian church and subsequently to our church and you and I today, to know that you'll only, he wanted them to know that you'll only go as far as your ability to be thankful. I want you to think about that. You will only go as far as your ability to be thankful. Mm. Thanks in all situations. Thanks in all seasons of your life. Because it's, it's, that, it's that thankfulness that keeps us tethered to God's will and tethered to God's purpose. Taking the time to be thankful and give thanks unto the Lord and then maintaining a thankful disposition is what will keep us through the dry season of life. Just ask Jonah and David and Daniel and even Paul. All of these gentlemen endured challenges and they endured triumphs and what did they all have in common? 
they all found themselves in dire straits as a result of an unthankful attitude. But when they learned to give thanks in all situations, then God delivered them and he brought victory to them. And he can do the same for you and him to do the same for me. Give thanks in all things, Paul said. Give thanks in this, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? Learn to be thankful for where you are and who you are and what you have. You know, I, 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 I sometimes go around thinking I'm having a bad day. And then on occasion, God puts somebody in my path to remind me that, yeah, my, my problems aren't as bad as I think they are. I got a call this week to meet with someone, have lunch with someone. It's, it's actually a, a, it was another minister. This individual sat down with me at lunch, and I'm thinking, I don't, man, I, I guess it's for fellowship, maybe just to catch up, maybe just to, I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going on. And I thought I was having a bad day. I, I'd kicked the cat, and man, I, I'd, I'd done all kind of stuff. I don't have a cat, but, that, you, you know, it's a euphemism, right? I, yeah, I was having a bad day. Yeah, all of it. And I sat across there from another minister, man of God, and he began to tell me about some of the trials and some of the things that he and his family were going through. It was devastating. God reminded me, you have every reason in the world to be thankful. Because your life isn't as bad as it could be. In fact, it's pretty good. You're blessed. I got things going for me. I, I, yeah, I may have burnt the toast, but, but my family's living for God, and, I, and I'm, I'm in church, and I'm in the house of God, and I got clothes to wear, and I got food to eat, and I got a car to drive, and, and, and God has blessed me. And it may not be what I think it ought to be. I've got an unrealistic expectation, but, but here I am. I'm blessed. I got breath in my lungs, and, 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 and I got to learn to be thankful. Thankful in all seasons of life. Ladies and gentlemen, it does not matter what season of life you find yourself in right now. You can find a reason to be thankful. Oh, you're not looking hard enough. I said you can find a reason to be thankful. Because unthankfulness will elongate the dry season. You want to know how to get out of the dry season? Start by finding something to be thankful for. Mmm. Tonight, I want to tell you, if the season of life that you're going through right now isn't exactly a mountaintop, maybe it's dark, maybe it's a valley, maybe there's no light to be seen, maybe it's uncomfortable and difficult, but I've come to remind you tonight to let not your heart be troubled. I'm here tonight to remind you of the words of King Solomon, to everything there is a season. To everything there is an appointed time. There's a season, and there's a time, and there's a purpose under the heaven.
That season is just an appointed period of time. It will pass. Weeping may endure for the night, but I've never seen a night that successfully opposed the breaking of a brand new day. Yeah, joy is coming in the morning. The sun is going to rise again. There will be light in the evening time. Yeah. Oh, it's coming. The morning is coming. The season will change if you can hold on for just a little while. Can you shout amen? Would you stand with me tonight? They're coming. We're going to sing a song and we're going to open these altars tonight for just a few moments. Maybe, maybe you've got Maybe you've got some things. Maybe, maybe these questions have challenged you tonight. Maybe you're here in this place and you've got some unrealistic expectations going on. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're here and you've got some unconfessed sin in your life. Maybe some uncontrolled behaviors. God wants to fix that for you tonight. God wants to help you to, to make the right adjustments to make the right tweaks so that you can get out of this dry, barren season that you're going through. Maybe, maybe you're here and maybe it's not sin. Maybe life's just going too fast and maybe there are some unhealthy conditions. Maybe there's lessons that we didn't quite learn along the way. Perhaps there have been some prayers that you've left unprayed. Or maybe you've been so consumed with the season that you've failed to give thanks for the blessings that are in your life. Whatever it may be for you tonight, God wants to meet you here. It can change here. It can be different tonight. You can adjust your expectations at an altar. You can adjust, you can confess that unconfessed sin at an altar. You can tweak those conditions at an altar. <laughs> yeah, you can learn a few lessons at an altar. And you can let God know you're thankful at an altar. Mm. Whatever it may be tonight, God wants to help you. You don't have to go through this season in perpetuity. You don't have to go through it forever. It will change. The question is, will you change? Will you be better? Will you be ready to step into that new season that God has waiting on you? There is an effectual open door that is open to you. Are you ready to walk through it? If you're not sure how to answer that tonight, I invite you to come. We're getting ready to sing a song play a song, I invite you to come tonight and let God help you answer these questions and take you into a brand new season. Can we sing tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on.
on, somebody come and get something from the Lord tonight. God, I need you to adjust. I need you to adjust my expectation, God. I, I need you to fix some things in my heart.
men to men, women to women, husbands to wives, whatever it might be. But why don't you just reach over and touch somebody right now and, and pray for them. Why don't you just prophesy over them right now. Come on, speak the word of faith over their life. God, you've got a new season. God, there's a new season breaking forth. Oh God, you've got an open door in front of them. God, I pray that you would help them, God, to reckon with these questions. Help them to reckon with your word tonight. You want to bless them. You want favor upon their lives. Oh, God, search us. Know us. God, help us. God, we want to do your will. God, we want to be in the way. We want to walk in the truth. God, we want to, have, we want to be what you want us to be. Oh, come on, right now, somebody speak the word of faith. Come on, somebody pray over somebody right now. Oh, hallelujah. God, let us be filled with your spirit.
of overflow. God, we know you've got it ready for us, but God, let me be ready for it. Let me be ready for it. God, in the name of do whatever you got to do to me, God. Be with us as we leave this house tonight, Father. Keep your hand upon every one of us, God, until we gather again in your great name. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Somebody said in Jesus' name. God bless you tonight. Love on somebody. Encourage somebody. Respect those that are seeking him tonight. God bless you in Jesus' name.